All right, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Bob Bernatas. Bob is one of the nation's top franchise consultants who is passionate about helping people achieve the greatest level of satisfaction and success through franchise ownership. With years of experience guiding clients toward top performing franchise brands, Bob provides personalized guidance and support throughout the entire process of franchise exploration. Whether you're looking for an exit strategy from the corporate life or a semi-passive opportunity, Bob is here to help you find your perfect match and create a brighter future. On top of that, Bob is going to give us a link for uh, his free ebook at the end of this show. So make sure you stay tuned. And Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. Great to be here. So this is uh so we, we we don't talk too much about franchise a lot of people are aware of franchises but I think a lot of time it's um people are thinking it's a little bit too risky it costs a lot of money for the franchise fee and all that kind of stuff and people are not really looking into it that much they kind of like kind of uh, scratch the surface and say this is not for me uh, how do you? Uh, how would you help people to kind of uh, tell them that you know this is something that they need to maybe spend a little bit more time with and kind of explore a little bit uh, deeper before kind of like brushing it away? Yeah. Well, I mean, in in terms of risk, uh, and, and that obviously comes up quite quite a bit. Uh, in reality, franchising is really the opposite. I mean, if you're going to, if you decide, hey, you know, one day I want to start a business on my on my own. That's risky. Most small businesses fail. Mom and pop type businesses, independent uh, independent brands that you may start. Franchising, if you get in with the right company, uh, the risk is diminished dramatically. I mean, there was a there was a study done by the Chamber of Commerce a number of years ago, uh, a couple of decades ago actually, and they they, they uh, focused on a group of independent businesses that all started around the same time, all started within the same year, and they tracked them for a five year period. Concurrently, they also tracked uh, similarly maybe a, a couple hundred different franchises that all started within that same year as well, and they tracked them for that same concurrent five-year period. Well, at the end of five years, actually, I was pretty surprised. The the, the independent businesses, forty-eight percent were still open and operating. I thought it would be less. Uh, franchises, ninety-seven percent were still open and operating. Now, granted, many of them had turned turned over and they were in different hands. I think 89% of those were still within the same hands, the same operator, the same owner, uh, but some some had turned over. So my point is that franchising is, I mean, it, it's a it's a proven method methodology of doing business. Now, there's plenty of franchises that I would suggest to you, you probably don't want to go anywhere near. Uh, and there's quite a few of those, but if you find the right franchise concept, it's it, the, the synergies are, uh, I think, uh, as good as it gets. I mean, I, I've been in franchising, quick background, I've been in franchising since 1986. I've owned multiple franchise concepts. I, I broke into franchising way back when in the video industry, if you remember Blockbuster Video or West Coast Video, but I had five West Coast video franchises in the Philadelphia market, lost my mind, went up to New York with them. 
but was successful with that. You know what happened to that industry. But anyway, I, I own that. I own several other franchise concepts that I launched and uh, and had success with and eventually sold. Uh, been consulting for a couple of decades. I was CEO of a national chain and I'm currently a franchise investor. So yeah, I get high on my own su supply, so so to speak. Uh, <laughs> but franchising is just, a, in my opinion, a far, far safer way to uh, get involved in business. So how does it compare in terms of the uh, the level of involvement that you would have to do? Like uh, I know you we mentioned in the intro that you don't have to necessarily quit your corporate life in order to do this. Uh, you could do something kind of like on the side. Um, so so how does that how does that part work? Sure. Well, I, I will tell you, Eric. Most of my clients, probably eighty percent, are, are are not interested in walking away. At least for the time being away from their corporate job. Most of my clients fall in, in mid mid management range up to upper level management to C-suite execs that are uh, maybe working 60, 70 hours uh, a week. And they would like to potentially uh, create some off-ramp from corporate America, some eventual off-ramp from, from corporate America. And, uh, more and more brands have have realized that th there's they they can cast a much wider net if they look for people who do not want to just leave their job, but people allowing people to stay in their job and start building something on the side and building an opportunity for themselves, be it for a year, five years, ten years, but eventually have that off ramp if they if they want to step away. So more and more of these companies have started developing semi semi passive platforms. It's really become prevalent over the last ten years, very much so over the last five years, which simply means they've developed the tools or platform necessary to support you at a higher level. Um, various things. I'll, I'll give you an example. If it's a service related business, maybe it's a it's a uh, it's a national call center that that handles all the inbound calls, so you don't need to have admin. I'll give you another example. There's one of the brands that I work with. I've, I've placed quite a few people in, uh, but they actually will they'll, they'll handle the 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 inbound calls. They'll handle the billing. Uh, they'll handle insurance processing, and it's a, it's a medical related type type concept. So. As a franchisee, you can put 10, 20 hours a week into this brand and and still build a, a very viable business. And it's not such that, you know, you start, you're, let's say you're putting 15, 20 hours a week in the early stages. As time goes on, you're putting less and less time in. You're not putting more time in. If you want to stay in a job uh, forever in corporate America and just have a, sec a, a second income stream, that is certainly doable. Uh, but most, what I find, most executives that I work with, uh, if they can get out of corporate America, they'd, they'd rather take that path. Oh, yeah. So I, I can, the other question, I guess, maybe you can tell me kind of like what are some of the other objections that people have, but I can imagine you're a, a VP of uh, something, uh, operations at a big company. And uh, yes, you are working many hours, but it's kind of like you feel pretty good about your job and you have a mm -hmm. status. And now you quit your job and then you end up being like a franchise uh, owner at uh, and making uh, sandwiches at. Uh... So right. kind of a, quite a level down. Right. So uh, right. how do you what, what's the transition like? Obviously, I'm exaggerating, uh, but what's the transition like when someone goes from corporate life to 
at a pretty high executive level and all the way sideways to a business owner. Right, right. And great question, by the way. That, that I'm glad you brought that up. Typically, you're doing the same things. Franchise companies love the skills that people develop in corporate America. And to be able to utilize those skills, it, it, it comes down to people skills. I'll tell you what franchise companies are not looking for. They're not looking for specific skill sets having to do with whatever the service is. And I will tell you also everything service related these days, the product related franchises or companies, you typically want to stay away from unless they're combining a product and a service together. You don't want to compete against Amazon. But these companies are, have, uh, uh, they, if, if they, if they accept uh, someone as a franchisee, if someone's coming from corporate America, the skill set that that person brings to the table uh, is very valuable in the franchise setting. Franchise companies are simply looking for people with basic business acumen. They're looking for people who are smart. They're looking for people who have people skills. And they're looking for people who have drive and want to build something uh, and have the financial capability to, to execute upon their model. So I, I have so many of my clients coming from corporate America, be it be it tech or be it uh, you know healthcare, whatever it happens to be, and getting into things that have potentially nothing to do with what their what their backgrounds were but they have the ability to understand key performance indicators they have the ability to read a PL. they have people skills so they can manage people in franchising the difference is if you are uh, if you're doing something in corporate america and you're doing it uh, you know let's say you're in an engineering position and you're just doing your thing by yourself that may not be the ideal fit for franchising, but anybody who who especially is in a management position, they're managing other people because that's all you're doing. You're leveraging people in franchising. The franchise concepts that are more consultative-based, consulting-based franchises where you are the product, like what I'm doing right now uh, is linear income. When I do this, I make money. When I stop doing this, I stop making money. That's why I also invest in, in franchises. Uh, for residual for residual income, but the people who are coming into corporate uh, coming from corporate America and in, into franchising who have management skills, those skills translate incredibly well into into franchising. What I try to do, uh, considering most of my clients are coming from corporate America uh, and they're looking to replace their income, if not substantially exceed their income. Uh, I, I focus in in really I, I become kind of one dimensional in some respect in that I'm focused on ROI earnings. I don't give a damn what the widget is as long as it's something that's ethical and provides valued service to the community. And I focus on semi passive concepts because that's the bucket that most of my clients fall into. So if someone comes into uh, I start working with someone and they say Bob, that's what I'm looking for. I show them the best financial opportunities in franchising that will that will meet the budget that they're looking for. And if they say, hey, I'm working 40, 50 hours a week now, I, I might be able to scrape out 10, 15 hours a week, but I don't want to I don't want to have to do that forever because I'm yeah. going to be killing myself to do it. Then that's that's what we look for. Concepts that you're only going to have to put that, that much time in, meaning they develop enough tools to support you with only putting in 15, 15 hours a week. But eventually that time is going to become less. But like I said, what I find with most of my clients, as soon as they get to a point where 
either the 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 profitability from the company from their franchise is reaching or exceeding what they're making in corporate America, most will will walk away. Okay, so so it sounds like there are a couple of franchise opportunities where you would kind of like become the products, and they're kind of like hands on, a little bit more hands on. But there are definitely a lot of other opportunities where you're not hands on. You're they're looking for you to uh, for your skills for people management, understanding how to run a business uh, much more than, yeah, you know, you don't have to put an apron and start making sandwiches. You know, they're looking for you to manage, manage the process, manage the business. Correct. And, and putting on the apron, uh, I, I would never do that to my clients. Uh, <laughs> well, that's just because I know that, like, I know people that had franchises, uh, Subway right. franchises. I think I can, I'm allowed to say Subway. Um, but, uh, you know, and then they were definitely, they were wearing the aprons. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. It, 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 look, food is difficult. I mean, you yeah. are managing, uh, you're trying to balance labor costs, your rent and your food costs. And there's always a tremendous amount of, uh, of waste. Typically you're, you're dealing with single digit profit margins in food. Yeah. I, I'm not a proponent of food. I don't steer my clients in that direction unless they're absolutely insistent on on going in that direction. And there are some good ones out there. Yeah. Food can be very, very fickle. I'll, I'll give you a quick uh, anecdote. Uh, one client that I'm working with, and you named the franchise, and she owns four of those or just got out of owning four of those that she had for a number of years. Uh -huh. She got to a point where she was, she shared with me, she was making about 85 K a year. Oh, that's it. And she was putting in a, a, a 60 hour plus effort into running, running those franchises. Yeah. Um, food is difficult. So, you know, I, I'm working with her right now and she's astounded to be able to look at some of the things that I'm showing her that she's going to put a lot less time in and end up making a lot more, a lot more money. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many, there's so many concepts that don't require, uh, the risk is lower. The profit margins are a heck of a lot higher. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. I mean, I love the service category. Anything having to do with home service is a very hot category right now. A yeah. lot of opportunity in that category. And for there, there's what's what's happening in that category is that you have a phenomenon where number one, it's uh, it's a very fragmented mom and pop industry that's ripe for roll-up. So you see more and more uh, franchise brands stepping into that arena and taking market share away from the mom and pop operators, uh, bringing a gr much greater level of sophistication and technology and so forth. You also see uh, the baby boomers who are the do-it-yourself generation who have pretty much aged out of that at this point. So they're now hiring other people to do it. Younger generations, their attitude for the most part is, hey, my time's too valuable. I'll hire somebody else to, to, to do that. But yeah. you also see young people aren't going into the trades any longer. So it's yeah. leaving a real void. What I like so much also about that particular category, I mean, return on investment is usually really stellar. Uh, and scalability in a concept like that or a, a category like that, for instance, I placed a lot of my clients over the last maybe two and a half years in a concept, uh, not going to name it, but it it they do gutters. They install gutters yeah. on homes. And yeah. you'd think pretty innocuous. It's not really a sexy business. That's okay. It's a moneymaker. I mean, the unit economics on that brand are, are phenomenal. And it's typically yeah. you're dropping a 30% 
profit margin to the bottom line and uh, those sorts of things. But the scalability of those sorts of things, because you can buy, for instance, it might cost you, you know, $175,000 to get launched in that brand and up and running. But if you buy a second territory, a second franchise, uh, in effect, your, your cost is 40 grand for the second one, 30 grand for the third one. Now you tripled the size of your territory, tripling the number of households in your territory, tripling what your potential income could be with that concept without spending a lot of money. So that that's called horizontal scaling, but yeah. then there's also the opportunity to vertically scale and eventually add another brand uh, to your portfolio that is similar, that ties in nicely with the first brand, could be something outdoors related. Maybe it's a fencing, uh, yeah. fencing brand. And now you're introducing a second brand to the same customer base that already knows and trusts your first brand, yeah. you're gaining economies of scale, your cost of customer acquisition is going down. Yeah. So if you have like 200K, let's say to invest in a franchise. Um, so what are some of like, what do you think are the, the top franchise opportunities that would, that would generate like significant returns and what, what would be these returns? What can we expect in terms of returns? Sure. Well, I can't name the brands and talk about know, the about returns, example, but I, I, I can, I can give you, uh, uh, for instance, like that, that gutter concept, uh, yeah. I can, I can share with you what is in their, uh, FTD, their franchise disclosure document or item 19, which is their income disclosure. Uh, again, that concept is in the 200 K range to get into, but they are showing a top line of 1.7 and dropping uh, about 30% to the bottom line. Really? Yeah. On a $200,000 investment. Per well, year. Per year. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Wow. Per and year. 200K, that's, that's investment in the franchise. Does that include the, the reserve to for the ramp up? Does that include uh, the material? Uh, yeah. T typically now with that brand it may show and and usually they show a range of yeah. and with that brand it might be and i can't remember exactly what it was maybe it's 140 to, to 240 in terms of the opening cost and that'll the variables will be hey are you buying the vehicle or are you going to finance a, uh yeah. you know your first vehicle uh it they always include some level of of ramp up working capital built into that as well yeah. be it three yeah. months or, or or whatnot yeah okay so that's that's Pretty much included, not the vehicle, because they would assume that you would probably finance it or lease right. it. Now, I'll, I'll give you another example. Okay, I mean, yeah. this, is, this is taking a little step up. There, I, I just bought one myself about two months ago. I bought a, I bought another franchise. Uh, and, and actually, in, in this case, I was working with a client who happened to be a local client. He was, lives about 45 minutes from me. And I showed him a brand that he absolutely fell in love with. Uh, and, uh, but he didn't have enough cash to, to do it properly. So I raised my hand and said, I really like this brand as well. I will invest with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I did, we started talking about it and then we started talking about three units as opposed to one units. I brought in a couple of other people that I know, uh, and they invested and we, we, we acquired six units with this brand. Yeah. But the reason I bought this brand, first, I'll tell you, it's in the, it's in the, uh, health and wellness category. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a men's health concept. Okay. Uh, it's about, they show in their item uh, seven of their franchise disclosure document, a, a, a launch range, a startup range of 224 to 389. So in the 300 typically range, maybe low 300s. Yeah. But the unit economics that they show in their item 19 of their of their franchise disclosure document uh, reveals they, they show 1.8 million top line. 
Yeah. Over 600 bottom line. Wow. Now, again, these are unicorns. Uh, there's not a lot of things I can show a client like that, but if someone- Sounds like said, you have a whole farm of unicorns. No, I have a few. <laughs> I have a few. And, and I, I love it when I'm working with a client and the client says to me, hey, Bob, just send me the best best financial opportunities. I, I don't care what the widget is. Something that I can do on a semi-passive basis. Let's not focus on the widget as long as it's ethical, provides a valued service to the community. Show me the best financial opportunities, the best ROI that you can possibly show me. Those are some of the brands I would show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing, I would, so that's 600K net, the, the bottom line for your uh, health, men's health uh, franchise. Mm -hmm. So is there any other fees that come after that? Or this is something that you can really kind of like split up, distribute to the partners? Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it, let, let me say this. That's assuming that the franchisee, because they all assume the same thing, that the franchisee is going to be the owner operator. If you're yeah. not going to be the owner operator, Call it a hundred thousand. Be, be generous. Call it a hundred thousand dollars for somebody who to manage it for you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, so we're we're taking with the with the six units that we bought. We'll open the first two at the same time. Uh, so we're splitting that salary across two units, and eventually that that salary will be split across uh, six units. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but then after that, whatever your royalty fee is. Now some franchises, when they lay out and they'll show something in the item nineteen, they they may disclose. Okay, this doesn't this doesn't include the royalty fee. Yeah. May or may not. In some cases, it does. Some cases, it doesn't. Yeah. But the royalty fee in in this case is six percent on, on this yeah. brand. Uh, but yeah, that typically when they're showing that whatever you can drop to the bottom line that's distributable to to shareholders okay so the 600k assumes owner operator that means that you know you're going to pay you were mentioning a hundred thousand dollars that's the salary for the person that's going to manage this whole thing yeah that might be a little aggressive but that's yeah. that's fine be concerned well, i want that, that person to be well paid so i don't right. i can sleep at night i don't have to worry about anything so i want a highly intelligent person to be able to do that and the royalty fee so you have to, sounds like you have to uh, do some digging to make sure that the royal fee, if there is a royalty fee, and make sure that it's it's taken away somewhere in the uh, yeah. in the top. Otherwise, yeah. you have to take it from the bottom. Yeah, and that will be clearly defined in the franchise yeah. disclosure document. Okay, okay, and the financial disclosure document. My understanding is that this is reviewed by the SEC. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, franchising is highly regulated. I mean, franchise companies that don't, I call it fly straight, or they're, they're, uh, uh, they're fudging a bit. Uh, not only can principals of the company end up in jail, but salespeople of the company can, can end up in jail. So uh, it would be foolish for franchise companies to do it. Now, I, I'm not saying it never happens. Look, there's over 4,000 different franchise companies out there. I would suggest to you, I wouldn't go anywhere near two thirds of them. Not saying they're bad concepts, but I wouldn't feel comfortable putting my clients into two thirds of them. Yeah. Then you have another third, which are good concepts, but then you have, a certain percentage of them were to our exceptional opportunities. Yeah. The, the, the difficulty when you're talking about franchising is timing, getting into the franchise at the right time. So people often talk about, you know, they asked me about crumble cookie. They asked me about orange theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those opportunities are over. 
for the most yeah. part. When you start hearing about a brand, usually the opportunity is over. All the good territories are sold out. The last thing you want to go into is a tier two territory. You want good A a level territory. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at certain things, I mean, when you start looking at unit economics on an orange dairy or crumble cookie, I, I mean, I, 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 there's plenty of concepts out there that are far more impressive from an, from an ROI perspective, but the difficulty becomes finding the right brand at the right stage of its growth. You want enough of a growth pattern to, to, the, to know that the brand has been proven already, mm -hmm. but if it's too if it's if it's too uh mature all the good territories have already been been taken especially if it's a sexier brand like this health men's health concept that i'm talking about right yeah. now it's currently the fastest growing brand in the country oh wow. Um, and consequently, I mean franchise investors are buying it up and it's disappearing all over the country. I, I even had to uh, I'm in uh, uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, about 45 minutes west of Philadelphia. everything in my before I could even react everything and I get the inside track on this, everything got sold out in my market. Wow. Uh, so I had to go two hours north so I'm, I'm in North Jersey with the six units that we bought. <laughs> Okay, uh, so how do you find the perch the the perfect like franchise fit? I'm sure like you know there's something. It's not just you have to have a little bit of uh, you know you have some personal kind of like uh, fit that you have to have that you know you don't want to invest necessarily in everything. You have to have a do you have to have a personal connection with with the brand that you're representing that or that you're franchising from? Um, you don't me, care, you just care me personally. Well, I mean, I, first, first and foremost, I'm looking at the unit economics on any, okay. on any, on any yeah. brand. Do I, I look at the management team? What, what have they done previously? Uh, one commonality that any of my clients will, will see if, if I engage with them and we work together is that any brand that I show won't be standing on its own. There will be something bigger behind it. It's either owned by a larger entity and there's plenty of capital behind it. Uh, and usually there's a management team that has been there, done that before and built other franchise organizations. Uh, or there's a real strong FSO behind it. That stands for franchise sales organization. Okay. Now it, it, it sounds as though like they're not, they don't have your best interest at, at, at heart, but I can tell you certain FSOs, they're unbelievably selective with the brands that they bring in. And mm -hmm. if they if they accept a brand into their portfolio and that brand checked all the boxes, uh, they can put that brand across the country pretty uh, pr pretty rapidly. Yeah. And also, a lot, some of these brands, I mean, you mentioned earlier that uh, some of these brands, you may not, when you get early enough, these brands, you don't know they even exist. So it's, it would be kind of like if somebody would have approached me for a, uh, orange theory you know mm -hmm. when it got started i would say well there's plenty of gyms going around right. like why right. would i invest in orange theory right uh i'd say well there's low barrier to entry because yeah they own this very special program blah 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 but any gym can do what orange theory can do uh so what's so how how do you it, it must be a little bit um there must be a little extra concern what, what kind of due diligence you have to do uh, what kind of personality risk profile you would have to have to kind of like jump into some a brand that you you don't recognize and then right. to make sure that it's going to be successful. Yeah, and that's a fantastic question. I mean, uh, honestly, I will tell you that 
I probably would have rejected Orange Theory at the beginning, simply because I'm not big on brands that are first to market with a concept. Now, if you look at what Orange Theory does and you break down the three modalities that they employ in their in their model, mm-hmm. they're all successful in boutique fitness. So yeah. it, in theory, it looks like it should work pretty well. And obviously yeah. it it did. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I prefer to get involved or work with brands that the concept is already proven, not necessarily with the brand, but has another brand or two or three already had success. I want to see a proven model. Uh, And and often the best opportunities come from not the first to market with something, but the best to market with something. When, when When a really strong management team that understands franchising comes along they see a concept that is having a lot of success and they just do it better. They yeah. put a better model together that get, and, and there's, and there's real capital behind it. That gives yeah. me a much greater level of, of comfort. But that kind of goes back to my questions. Like how is it, where is, how do you know that it's a good fit? Because if I don't know anything about the gyms, mm-hmm. I don't know that this is a good concept or a bad concept. I don't know what the market needs in terms of, uh, these kinds of boutique uh, fitness uh, club. Um, so how, how do you know, like, or do you just stay, stay clear? Well, I don't know anything about gyms. So I'm just going to stay clear of all, all the fitness and gym and all that kind of stuff. I know a lot about cookies. So I'm going to go and uh, and go for it, find the best crumble cookies I can find. Right. Uh, so is that does that play a role in the, the selection of a, of a franchise? Yeah, but are you talking from your perspective or my client's perspective or from yeah, my perspective? a person in general, someone okay. that is interested in uh, in the franchise, right. interested right. in what you're offering? Well, that, that's why somebody would work with someone like like me. And okay. and, and, and it, uh, look, I, I've been in the industry since 1986. I understand the industry. I've seen so many of these brands come and go, and there's no replacement for experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the issue is uh, when a lot of people start looking at brands and if they try to look for them on their own, mm-hmm. the first step, typically they're going to the internet and they're going to do searches on the internet. Uh, they're landing on portals. A lot of franchise companies pay to be on those portals. They're not showing you what's behind the curtain. They're showing you what they want you to see. I mean, you do that for a couple of months, you're ready to blow your brains out. You don't, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and and you can look at a massive number of franchises, but you really get, you get nowhere. So for instance, my process is I work backwards in that we're going to, if I work with a client, uh, first thing we're going to do, I'm going to ask them to complete a confidential questionnaire. It takes 20, 30 minutes to do, but it gives me the initial information I need on them to start doing my job properly. A lot of preference questions. There's some financial questions, not too intrusive. Then I do a consultation with them. On the consultation, we review the confidential questionnaire together. It generally takes about an hour, maybe a little bit more. We go through that together. I'll have lots of questions for them. They'll have questions for me. I may flow some trial balloons by them, different categories of franchising to see how they react to those to those categories. After that, I take all the information that they shared with me by way of the confidential questionnaire and the consultation that we did. I create a summary. Usually it's two or three pages for my own internal use. I've used that to start matching them with companies. The first thing I do is I go to my preferred list, the the list of brands that I've I've developed that for no other reason, 
ROI earnings. I don't focus yeah. on the widget. Your unicorn uh, farm. It's, and, and yes, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and semi and semi passive models, uh, yeah. and, and that's where I check first. But then I expand the 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 search based on some of the information that they shared with me, and I'll look at a lot more brands. So by the time I may have looked at 100, 200 brands by the time we get together again, but when we do get together again, I'm going to try to whittle it down. I don't want to try to overwhelm people. Maybe to a half dozen brands that I think will be a good fit. Yeah. On that brand review call, we spend about 75 minutes together on that call, and I'll reveal the brands. We'll talk about them. I'll answer any questions they have. I will give them my opinion on those brands, and then I'll say, Mr. Mr. Client, let's try, or Mrs. Client, let's try to whittle this down even further, maybe to the top two or three. Uh, I, I don't, again, don't want you to be overwhelmed trying to investigate too many at once. Once they set, tell me the two or three that they like the best, then we talk about how are we going to take a deeper dive into those brands and, and understand them. Yeah. Uh, okay. and, and I just, and, and often it's, it, it's involves introducing to the, them to the brands and the brands take them through a structured process. It's a learning process. They're learning about the, the client clients learning about the brands and I stay with them and we are talking on a regular basis as they go through the investigation of those, mm -hmm. of those brands. I also help with financing. I work with all the top financing sources to the franchise industry, rare that I can't get somebody financed. Okay. Well, that sounds good. And then, um, so they, they get the financial document disclosure. They kind of review that and you review that with them. Any kind of like red flags and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And what's the, the due diligence process after that, before kind of like getting all that signed up and selecting a region or a, a market? Sure. Well, I mean, part of it is what you just mentioned. They they typically will review the the franchise disclosure document with the client. I'll be happy to step in and, and give guidance there as well. Uh, I always recommend to my clients, and about half of them will take the recommendation, half of them don't, use a franchise attorney. I mean, if you're going to have somebody review the documents for you, you do not want it to be just a run-of-the-mill you know, yeah. contract attorney. They don't understand franchise. It's very, very different. There's a lot of things. Franchise companies are not going to budge. They're not going to change their documents. Can there be movement in certain areas, especially when it comes to territory uh, where it really matters? Uh, perhaps. So, uh, but if you have a franchise attorney, the main thing it's going to do for you is is give you peace of peace of mind to do a review of of, of all the documents. Okay, and then after that, then. Eventually, you're ready for the the fund to get this funded, and then uh, sign your sign. Yeah, your I mean, really, it, it, let's say it's a concept that is four hundred thousand dollars to launch, and and the client says, "Hey, I can put a hundred thousand dollars into something." Well, I work with them to try to get them uh, financing for sure. uh, for the rest. There's lots of entities out there that really specialize in franchise uh, franchise uh, financing. Yeah. Uh, lots of different vehicles that could potentially be used. So yeah. once we secure, once I work with them and they're able to secure the the financing, uh, then they're ready to move forward with that with that particular franchise. Typically, okay. what they'll do, what a franchise company will do, is they're looking for you to pay the franchise fee up front. Now, yeah. it, let's say it we we look we we seek SBA financing. Yeah. Uh, SBA typically is going to ask for you to put 20% down or pay the franchise fee or fees, whatever, whatever's involved there. Uh, but SBA, and, and then you get a pre-approval. So if, if I introduce you to an entity that helps you with that whole SBA process, they usher you through the whole process. Mm -hmm. uh, they can typically get a pre-approval for you in, in 
48 hours. Oh. That pre-approval, as long as you gave them accurate information, that mm-hmm. should be good as gold. And then when you are actually getting closer and you sign the franchise agreement and you're ready to roll, then that entity will also farm that uh, farm your deal out to multiple banks to try to get you the best terms possible. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. Lots of other ways people can utilize their 401k or IRA. There's something called uh, the 401k rollover where you can roll funds from a 401k or IRA into a franchise without taxation, without oh, really? penalty, wow. without interest. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, and a lot of accountants don't even understand it. Uh, it's, I find it fascinating, but they don't. But it's been something that's been used in the franchise industry for, for many years and really popular. And th- direct, like, do you have a, a direct to the, the franchise, uh, to the franchise business? So you don't have to go through a, a separate custodian to, to do that. You can just go and go directly from your uh, E-Trade or TD Ameritrade. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, the, the companies, there's several companies that I trust that, that do this. Like, for instance, that, uh, the, the ROBS program, the 401k rollover, okay. uh, and they, and if you, and I'll, I'll introduce clients to that if they're interested in that, and they'll explain the program to them. And if it, yeah. if it makes sense, if it's a fit, they'll walk them through the entire process. Okay. And tell okay. them exactly. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize you would be able to, you know, get, uh, get so much financing and that you would be able to roll your 401k. So that's, that's great for people, again, that are in the corporate life uh, that want to, yep. um, you know, get out of it or, step their toes slightly outside and um so that's that's a good idea so that, i think that's going to be very helpful to people yeah. uh, so bobby if people want to uh, get a hold of you what's the best uh place for them to get a hold of you and i think you also promised us a copy or link to your uh free ebook so maybe that's a good time to uh to give us that as well sure uh so it, the best way to reach me is uh, is my my website it's uh franchisewithbob.com pretty simple franchisewithbob.com and if you reach out to me through my website you can you can reach out to me through there and I'll be happy to send you uh send you a free ebook excellent oh, okay so you you'd send you an email or there's a, a page where you can say yeah contact correct. us and then, okay yeah. excellent give me a call or or send me an email and I'll be happy to send you a, a free ebook and I'll be happy I mean have a brief conversation with anyone to, to mm-hmm. assess their situation and see if it makes sense for us to work together. And I'll be happy to give them some guidance there. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like a lot of fun. So thank you, Bob, for sharing all that information and You're uh, most welcome. Most of luck. I absolutely enjoyed it. Thanks, Thanks. Eric. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.